week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Have your Bibles, open them up with me real quickly to the book of, uh, I want to go to two places tonight. That blessed me, and I know that's just one of many, but I want to encourage you, man. I believe that the Holy Spirit, the presence and the power of God is always looking for an opportunity to break out, regardless of where we are. So open up your Bibles with me. I want to go to two places tonight. I want to go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel tonight. 1 Samuel. I'm going to begin reading at uh, verse 30. I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. For the first part, I'm going to use this story kind of to set up my theme of where I want to go. And then I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 8. And I'm going to read verses 25 through 28. Are you ready? Are you excited to be here tonight? I said, are you excited to be here tonight? I believe in what we're doing tonight. I believe in men getting together. I believe in men of God called men of God, chosen men of God, who all sit under the sound of my voice. Understand that, that in this room, there's so much potential and so much power. The Bible said God used 12 to turn the world upside down. What could he do with the size of men in this room tonight? What could he do with all of us in this room tonight? I always love the scripture and the text because over and over from Genesis to Revelation, you see God using men in so many strategic ways, using them as catalysts, using them as game changers, using them as revivals and prophets to do significant things in the body of Christ. And you need to understand that in 2019, God has still not, God has not changed his method. I said, God has not changed his method. He's always used men, flowed through men, operate in men. And guess what? He's still doing it today. I love what Ian Bounds said. He said this, God's methods are men. Listen to this. While men look for better methods, God looks for better men. God, men are God's methods to advance his kingdom in this earth. I'm not in here trying to be a male chauvinist. I'm not shunning women in any form or fashion, but I'm just encouraging you and what you have been called and destined to do as men of God. Understand something. Let me just say this. Understand that we live in in a day and time that's critical, that we begin to be need to be everything that God has called us to be. If there's ever a time that the body of Christ in this world need men is now. With the challenges that we face, when we look in our society, I want to tell you, even as it was in the days of Ezekiel, when God looked around and he saw all kind of outbreak and and wickedness and evil, he said, I sought for a man that would stand in the gap. God said, is there a man that will step up to the plate? Is there a man that will stand in the gap? Our, our, Our culture, our society is filled with all kind of gaps. And God said, I'm looking for 
a man? Will I find a man that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge, who will intercede, who will pray, who will get a burden for lost and hurting and broken people, who will yield themselves to be vessels and conduits of my power and take it out to a hurting, broken world? Is there, it? I wonder if God were to stop by Free Chapel tonight, could he find just a few good men that are willing to stand in the gap and make a change? First Samuel, I'm going there. Are you ready? First Samuel chapter 30, beginning at verse 6. First Samuel chapter 30, beginning at verse 6. And this is the story of David at Ziglag. To give you a little bit of back, black, backdrop, David has been in a war with the Amalekites, the scripture said. And while he was out fighting wars and out fighting battles, the Bible said the Amalekites backdoored them and came in and burned their cities and took their families. And the Bible said David came back and they found their, their homes and their, and, and their cities in ruins, the scripture said. And I pick up right here, it said this. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of the, it says, Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Listen to this. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to um, Abiathar the priest, uh, Abimelech's son, Please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them all, overtake them, and without fail you shall recover them all. You shall recover them all. And I'm going to use this story real quickly to set up where I'm going. And then I'm going to jump over to the book of Exodus. But on this particular backdrop of this text, you notice the Bible said that David is in a tough place now. The people around him, the scripture said, has spoke of stoning him. And I want to use this particular text to set up the kind of pointer theme that I want to drive home in your hearts tonight as the Spirit of God enables me to do so. But I want to say this real quickly. I don't know about you, but growing up, um, um, I, I, I grew up, you know, um, in the hills of Northeast Georgia and I grew up, you know, where there was a common theme, at least in my neighborhood and where I grew up. And there was something, uh, that people often avoided. People would, would go to the extents of when, when it had to do with their furniture, they wouldn't answer the door when it had to do with past car payments that passed car payments that were overdue two and three months. They knew how to strategically hide those vehicles and put them in locations or even hinge them in in such a way that by no means you could remove that car even if you tried. Uh, uh, yeah, even to the point where at times you accidentally answered the phone when these particular people were calling. You made up stories and said something to the extent, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. But they know or, or no, they no longer live here. Matter of fact, I think they moved out of state. 
And, and these, these type of people that I'm talking about were real relentless because if they couldn't get you by phone or you never returned the mail, at some point they had the boldness of the audacity to actually show up at your house and knock on the door and ask if so-and-so is here. Well, who are you? That would be the question because who you are determine if they're here or not. <laughs> and they would give themselves, I am such and such from the collection agency. Well, no, nobody lives here by that name. I'm sorry. And my point is, anybody ever heard of a repo man? Okay, I guess the honest crowd is on this side. And I know this is Orange County and everything is pretty and right, but I, I still believe there's a few repo men that might cruise the streets of Irvine and Tustin and Costa Mesa and Santa Ana. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? I ain't going to ask you if you had to deal with the repo man. Matter of fact, I used to be a repo man. I worked for one of those furniture rental places, you know, where you, you buy it, you rent to own kind of type deal where, you know, you pay $10 a week, but you end up paying $10 million for a sofa. You know what I'm saying? Because you pay for it for like over 30 years or something like that. And there's many play times I had to go pick up furniture or repossess furniture. But I was thinking about that because the whole concept of this repo man is he understands that he's sent out to go repossess or go to retrieve property that has not been properly paid for that has not been in other words it still belongs to someone else it hadn't been fully purchased and so because it doesn't belong to them they have no right to keep it and because there's an owner who owns it who's actually paid the price for it he has every right at any given time, if it hasn't been properly paid for, to come back and take it and put it back where it, in its original place. Are you following me tonight? The, the, the repo man comes as a representative of the owner of that product. And he comes and says, that does not belong to you. But this belongs to my master or my manager or my owner to send me to come and get the property that rightfully belongs to him. Are you following me tonight? Because I need you to understand that concept. Because I believe that in this day and time, we have an arch enemy that has his hands on property that don't belong to him, that he has not rightfully paid for. And God, the manager, the creator, the owner, sent his son down into this earth as the first repo man to say, I've come to take back property and territory that does not belong to you to put it back in its proper place. Is anybody hearing me in here tonight? And I'm saying to you that in Christ Jesus, we are called to be repo men. In other words, we are called to take back 
everything that rightfully belongs to us through Christ Jesus. I don't know what the enemy has taken from you, from your family, from your marriage, from your children. It may not be materialistic. It may not be physical. Some of you may have gotten your joy robbed. Some of you have may gotten your peace taken. Some of you have maybe even lost your passion. But I come tonight to stir your heart to tell you that God is here and saying, I come to wake up the repo men tonight. I come to wake up a band of men who understands that I don't have to settle for loss. I don't have to settle for lack. I don't have to settle for not enough because my God has already gone to the cross and paid the price for everything that rightfully owns to me. I need about 10 repo men to give God praise and I'll move on. You see, the Bible said that David was in a position. The scripture said that they spake of stoning him. The Bible said that David, he was distressed. Did you catch that? He was distressed because they spake of stoning him. But then the Bible said that David did something that was really unique. The scripture said, then David, watch this. He strengthened himself in the Lord or he encouraged himself in God. And then notice the progression. He was distressed, but then he strengthened himself in God. And once he strengthened himself in God, then he was able to pray to God. And he said, Lord, shall I pursue? And God says, pursue and not you shall recover. And not only just recover, you're going to recover everything that you lost. But the point is this. Notice he, he couldn't repossess long as he was distressed. So he had to be repositioned first before he was able to repossess. Once he repositioned himself in God, he could receive strength from God. And when he had strength from God, he had the power to possess. What I'm telling you, if you're going to possess what God has for you, you first have to be repositioned. Because strength comes in Christ, not outside of Christ. You won't be able to do it in your own strength. You won't be able to do it in your own own ability. You won't be able to do it how you think and how you feel. Can I say it like this? If you want to be repossessed everything that God has for you, you first have to be repositioned so that you can repossess. But I want to tell you, if you get repositioned in Christ, the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And now that they are new, you're in a new season with a new beginning, with a new help, with a new power, with a new grace and a new ability. And before you were in Christ, the devil could tell you you couldn't do it. But now that you are in Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthen you. If you believe it, give him an amen. Somebody shout repo man. We got to be repo man. Repo man. Repossess some stuff. Repossess, number one, our identity. We're living in such a time that identity crisis, gender crisis in our culture. Look around us every day. And I'm not trying to be mean and ugly, but it's real. They're going to put up a picture, something that, that, that just bothered me. I went to a restaurant, and I may not name it for the sake of it. And I went to the bathroom. 
And I, was, I just started to walk casually until I stopped and I said, wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? Do you see this picture? See, I, see, I wouldn't have had, a, and, I, and I get it. Listen to what I'm saying. If, if it just said all gender on both doors, I would have been all right. Okay. But, but, but when I looked to the right, it said women. I'm cool with that. But I supposed to be able to look to the left and it say men. But how is it that there is no male identity represented right here? It only talks about women and it all, and I'm not degrading women and it talks about all other genders, genders. I have a problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. What is going on in our society that we don't even want to recognize the male identity? Come on, somebody. We're living in a time that, oh God, that's why the real men in the church has got to raise up. We cannot sit back and just accept a cultural slide that goes down in the dumps that we walk around and with people walking around trying to demasculate and just mix all genders and this that and the other no it's male now in the beginning god created male and female he created them in his image it's not come on somebody it's male and female and when he started creating he started with a man you didn't get female until you first got male We got to repossess our identity. Let me tell you, man does not decide your identity. God has already determined your identity. Come on, let, let me tell you something, especially for men, one of the hardest things, because adversity, and all of us go through things, adversities have a tendency to cause us to forget our identity. When you start going through challenges, when you start going through hardships, when you start going through struggles, you begin to focus more on what you're going through than focus on the one who is able to get you through. And what you have to remember, that no matter what I go through and what I face, it does does not change who I am. Being a man of God and a child of God does not immune us from hardships and struggles. It does, it does not make us immune to, to being a, to, to not, to hardships and struggles and, and, and not, and cause us to avoid every little bump in the road. Absolutely not. But what you need to understand that adversity, it doesn't, well, I'm going to tell you what adversity does to your identity. It actually shows what it really is. Is because if anybody can get over it, if anybody can come out of it, if anybody can get through it, is you with God on your side. And every time you hit a bump in the road, every circumstance is asking you a question, who are you? Every hardship is asking you a question, who are you? When you hit some circumstances and issues out of the blue that you like, where in the world did that come from? It's asking you a question, who are you? But if you can remember Remember that I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a man of God. I'm a repo man. You will come out. You will come through because your circumstances don't redefine you because they can't redefine you because your God has already determined your identity. 
we got to repossess our brotherhood. I said, we got to repossess our brotherhood. How is it? I'm just confused at times. How is it? How is it at times where, where our, when you're out in the world and before you're serving God, you had your clique, you had your posse, you had your gang, you had my boys, my amigos, my kapatwa, you had it all. You know, you used to say something like bros before, but wait a minute, I can't go there. You know, you Oh, y'all. Oh, 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 you that say, okay, hi. How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody want to run up on you, your boys? I got your back. Yeah, I'll be better not jump. But it's like we come to the body of Christ and, and, and we get come and we get saved. And it's like we isolate and we start separating. And when there's this individuality, independence, what, what do you mean? What happened to that brotherhood? What happened to my boy? What happened to my man? What happened to my dude? What, what, where's my ride or die up in the body of Christ? I'm not talking about being with me when everything is good. I'm talking about when I'm down in the valley, going through hell and hardship. I need a brother that's going to stick close. I know Jesus is with me, but can I get a brother that come alongside and say, I'm here with you. I, I need Jonathan, John, Robert, uh, uh, Derek, uh, Tars. Can you come make a circle real here real quick, real quick. Good thing the building wasn't on fire, but anyway, real quick, real quick. Can you make, make a circle? A, 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 uh, we burn up and everything. Make a circle. Stand right there. But you know the word brotherhood. You know what, you know what brotherhood stands for? Brother, brotherhood is actually in the Hebrew means, listen, fenced in. Fenced in. Surrounded. So what, 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 what it says is a brotherhood, a band of men creates a fence or protection around each other. Ah, jeez. Are you following men of God? See, watch this. Remember when Cain slew Abel, he said these words, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? After he slew him, Cain killed Abel. Watch this. Your can't will always try to kill your ability. Why is brotherhood important? Because what brotherhood does, you get inside of here. And when can't tries to kill your able, it can't get to you. Because when, when the enemy says, when, when you want to say, I can't stay in the marriage, the brotherhood will say, you're able. When, when, when your mind tells you, I can't continue to live, the brotherhood will fit you in and says, you're going to live and not die and declare the word, works of the Lord. When your mind tells you, I can't get out of debt, the brotherhood will get around you and fit you in and say, yeah, you can do all things through Christ who strengthened you. Some of you came in here with canes tonight and you've been doing life all by yourself. But I tell you, you came to the right place because tonight we're going to surround you with a band of brothers 
and you're going to get an affirmation that you can, you will, you are. Life is not over. Life, life is not done. Life is not finished. As long as you got a fence called brotherhood, you're going to make it to the other side. Can I give some, get some men to give Jesus a shout of praise for brotherhood? I got to hurry. Somebody say repo man. <clears throat> My repo man that I want to give you quick, quick several points on. The repo man real quick I want to talk to you about is Moses. Say Moses. And I want to talk to you about Moses being a repo man really quick. Because Moses is the repo man that represents something that I think is really important. My heart was stirred because I knew what I was going to preach tonight. After our pastor's message. But a repo man. Moses represents a repo man. Who is unwilling to compromise. If you're going to be a repo man. You got to be unwilling to compromise. We live in a time that is constantly trying to get us to compromise. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 8. It said, Pharaoh, listen to what I'm going to teach. Summoned Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the country. But Moses said it would not be right to do that because that will sacrifice to the Lord our God because what we will sacrifice to the Lord our God is detestable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what, what the Egyptians detest in front of them, won't they stone us? We must go three days distance into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he instructs us. And Pharaoh responded, said, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Listen to these words, but don't go very far. Make an appeal for me. What I want you to see is God gave Moses, the repo man, very strict instructions But Pharaoh, which represents the enemy, who was constantly trying to get us to compromise. He said, I want you to go out on a three days journey and worship the Lord. But notice what the scripture said when it came to Moses. Notice what it said, the scripture said. The first thing he said, Pharaoh said, I want you to worship God in the land. Worship God. Just stay here. Worship God in the land. I don't care if you worship, but worship him in the land. What's wrong with that? Moses could have said, you know what? You're right. I could do that here. I could worship him in the land. God did tell me to worship. But if he worshiped in the land, it would have only been partial obedience. But can I tell you that partial obedience is total disobedience? Because God did not say worship in the land. He said go a three days journey. But one of the things as a repo man, you got to be willing to walk in total obedience to God. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you don't understand. And in my walk in relationship with God, I learned as a man of God, sometimes God's instructions don't make sense. Obeying him don't make sense. But I've learned also, if everything has to make sense with God, you'll miss opportunities for miracles. Because I've often seen the miraculous manifested in the times that I don't understand and it doesn't make sense. 
See, let me give an example. Why is that important? When you talk about obedience, Abraham followed not knowing where. Hannah followed not knowing when. Mary followed not knowing how. And Joseph followed not knowing why. But regardless, they didn't know where, they didn't know when, they didn't know how, and they didn't know why. But all they did know is God say go. And because God said go, I don't need to have details because I trust the one who's given me the command. If you're going to be a repo man, it's going to take total obedience. The scripture said, Moses said, "Uh uh-uh. He said, we got to go three days journey. We got to get outside of the land. In other words, what Moses was saying, I realize that separation is is important. Separation is what's going to bring our distinction. Oh, God. He said, I understand that we're not to mix and mingle because what God has called us to do is to do something that is pure in his sight. He know he understood that, that there had to become a be a, there had to come a gap between Egypt and God's people. But how many people are still trying to worship? Knowing that their nature is still in Egypt. Pretending to worship God, but still knowing they're living in Egypt. But Moses said, if you're going to be a repo man, there has to come separation. And in your separation will bring distinction. And it's your distinction that will create influence and impact like never before. Because separation often precedes your elevation. Good God, I'm on a roll now. Are you hearing me? What do you mean separation? I'm going to go old school. I'm going to give you a word that we don't like. Old school holiness. Be ye separate and come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. You're in this world, but not of this world. Holiness, righteous, being set, that word holy, don't be afraid of it. It doesn't mean that you got to wear long pants and long, and all that stuff. No, 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 no. That's religion and that's outward stuff because you can do all that. And if your heart don't change, you're still unholy. You can cover up and do all that you want to. But if there's no transformation, holiness begins in the heart. And holiness is not what you do. It's what the Holy Spirit does through you and in you. That's why he is the Holy Spirit. But my responsibility is to yield. <clears throat> They're going to put up a picture. I'm going to show you something. This animal. Look at that right there. That's kind of cute for a men's meeting, huh? That's kind of girly. This is an ermine. And this animal right here, it's an ermine. Let me tell you something about him. In the wintertime, its coat is solid white like this. Keep it up for a moment. But at other times of the year, it goes to almost a brown shadow. But the significance of this little animal is this right here. It has this rare instinct of not liking to get dirty or filthy. But its fur is a a precious commodity used in European garments to stuff the lining. And and, and so it's very precious. So this animal is often trapped and, 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 and hunted. So when they understood the nature of this animal, that it did not like to get dirty or filthy. 
what it would do, what they would do, the hunters would find their little caves or burrows. And they would put trash and dirt in the burrows. And what they would do was wait back, wait back with the dogs and hide out. And when the ermine would come, they would jump out with the dogs. And when the dogs would jump out, it would trap the ermine between where the dogs were and the hole. And the ermine would run up to his hole thinking he's going to run into the safety of that cave. But when it gets to it, it discovers that it's filled with filth. And because it's nasty and filthy, he refuses to go in it. So at that point, this little cute furry animal says within itself, because of his nature, before I live dirty, I'm willing to die bloody. I'd rather have my coat stained with blood than have my life soiled and muddy. In other words, it's instinct inside. Listen, it's instinct for purity was greater than it's instinct for survival. I wonder if we could grab a hold of a little lesson from this little animal that we get an instinct inside of us that say no matter what, I'd rather die bloody than live dirty and impure lies. I don't want to be bound by pornography. I don't want to be bound by sexual immorality. I don't want to be caught up in the filth of sin and degradation and transgression and fornication and adultery and debauchery and drunkenness and uh, come on somebody and idolatry. Jesus did not go to the cross. Come on somebody. He pled. He shed his blood that I can be cleansed. I can be washed and renewed. Watch this. He said, if you're going to be a repo man, watch this. You got to be willing to walk in in total disobedience. You got to be a repo man. You got to be willing to have separation. But watch this. I'm going to give you one last one and I'm going to let you get out of here because we're going to pray tonight. But here's the other one. Oh my God, I got so many. But here, here's, here's another one. If you're going to be a repo man, Moses said this. He said this. He said, don't. The Pharaoh said to Moses, he said, don't go too far away. He said, don't go too far away. He said, okay, I'm going to let you go. Watch this. But don't go too far away. In other words, don't go three days journey. Just go one and a half. In other words, don't get too dedicated. Don't get too committed. Don't get too consecrated. Don't get too happy about God. Don't get too passionate about God. Besides, you got to keep an image. Come on now. Oh, you know all your people at work. You know where you live and all those type things. You can't go get too crazy. You might not fit in. You know, you might kind of stick out. They might say you're a little, you're religious. You're, you're legalistic or you're one of those Bible people. You're one of those God fearing people. Let me go. You're one of those tongue talkers. You believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. No, you believe, no, 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 no. Don't get too dedicated. But I'm telling you, that's what's wrong. We cannot be, we're not called to be passive men. We're called to be passionate men who are, come on. Listen, all of us in this room tonight, we are in one of four categories. You're either a cop out, 
a drop out, a hold out, or you're an all out. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a drop out. I don't want to be a cop out. I don't want to be a hold out, but I want to go all out for Jesus. Come on. Half and half is good for coffee, but it's horrible for Christianity. We're not called to be borderline believers. We're called to go all the way in. Jesus didn't halfway die. Jesus didn't halfway shed his blood. Jesus didn't have a halfway sacrifice. He gave his all that we might have life and life more abundantly. Do I have any men that says, I'm ready to go all out? Last one. Last one. Listen to this. If you're going to be a repo man, last one, I promise. We'll get out of here. Promise. This is my real last inning. Then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. God's going to do something tonight. We're going to pray. God's going to move tonight. We're going to pray. Did you hear what I said? Last thing, if you're going to be a repo man, Moses showed us this. Pharaoh said, okay. All right. This is what you can do. I tried to let you go a little bit further, but not all the way. I tell you what. You can go all the way, but here's how you got to do it. Watch this. Only send the men, but leave the women and the children. Go read your Bible. Did you hear that? Do you hear that spirit that says, men, just be selfish. Forget about your families. Forget about your wife. Forget about your children. Don't, 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 don't take the responsibility to be the king, priest, and prophet of your home. Don't worry about being the head of that household and the foundation of that family. It'll be all right. Can I just preach a little bit right here? In other words, you know what? You know what? Because see, what we got to understand is difference between being a figure in the home and being a factor in the home. It's possible to be a figure, but being a figure don't make a factor, make you a factor. And we're not called just to be a father figure. We're called to be a father factor, a factor that's making things happen and have an intentional impact on our family. Because you can just be a figure. You can be a male figure in the home. Well, you know what? I work hard. I bring home the bacon. What else you want me to do, Javon? There's food in the refrigerator. The bills are paid. They ain't worrying about nothing. That's great. You just did a little bit of your job as a man. But guess what? They need your words of affirmation. They need your undivided attention. Your wife needs some quality time with you and without the kids. That daughter needs a date every now and then. That son needs an outing to be affirmed. Come on. Being a dad and being a father is more than having a zipper on our pants. Come on, somebody. It's about being a factor in that home. I was in Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago, and I had the privilege of joining a, 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 what they call a Shabbat dinner with a family. And Shabbat is, 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 is the, um, the, um, the um, uh, Sabbath, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And we joined this family. And man, I sat at that table, and I watched what went on. Number one, how they shut everything down. That's what I love. 
iPhones, iPads, TVs, everything is shut down. Shut down. And one thing was focus, was the focus. Well, two, God and family. And I watched that father. I sat there because they allowed us to just see what they normally do. That father, that home. I watched them wash and do everything that they do. I'm not going to go into all that. But man, I watched him pray. And then he came up. He called his wife up. He laid hands on his wife. And he blessed his wife. And he spoke over And really the blessing that they prayed there in Hebrew is actually a portion of Proverbs 31. But the whole point was blessing her and honoring her for all that she had did that week. And things that he saw that she did and what she did not do. And what I love when I look down the table, those little boys were looking up. Those little boys was looking up. And I started weeping. I started weeping because what got me, I was like, those boys see their daddy blessing the mom. They see the head of this household honoring mom. Because see, number one, they see my dad honoring mom. But number two, what they're learning is how to honor their wives one day. Because they got a daddy that's showing them how to honor. And when he got done with them, he reached down and grabbed those children and laid hands and blessed them and honored them. And I wept like a baby. And I said oh God don't let me take for granted my wife don't let me take for granted my children don't let me just go through life every day treating it haphazardly but help me to be intentional on a daily basis honoring them and loving them and affirming them and speaking life over them and I want my children to see it too come on can I get a big amen right here We're living in the most fatherless generation that ever existed. But we can make a difference. We don't have to accept it and succumb. We just have to be men that say we will repossess fatherlessness. And let me say something. What I love is that man took responsibility. A repo man as a father takes responsibility. Now, I know I might make somebody mad, but I don't care. Let me tell you something. I don't care if their mother is mean or not or don't like you. If you got kids by that woman, take care of your kids. They, oh, I wasn't going to get a big amen there. You take care of those children. I, listen, God, the blood under divorce and all that, it's under the blood. But don't you take out on those children what she is she and not doing. That is, uh-oh. Last thing, throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, make me a repo man. Lord, I want to repossess. I want to repossess everything that you have for me. I want to walk in. I want to possess your promises, your purpose your destiny and your will for my life. I pray tonight that I would be a man that walks in obedience, that I would be a man that longs to live a consecrated and separated life. Help me tonight.
to be a man, to be the head of my household, to lead by example. May my life speak more than my words. And tonight, I'm asking you, God, to help me. Help me to be a man of integrity. Help me to be a man of purity. Help me to be a man that walks in holiness and walks in righteousness. Help me to be a man that you can use. Help me to be an instrument that you can use. I want to be a vessel of your power, of your presence, of your anointing. Tonight, I want to be a man that stands in the gap, that makes up the hedge. I want to be a man, a model man for this generation, for the next generation. I want to be a man that's sold out for you. Not a borderline believer, not a mediocre man, not passive, but passionate. Passionate about you, passionate about your word, passionate about spiritual things. Tonight, God, make me a repo man. Now give him a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.